0: Just One More with Joanna and Daphne, a fitness and nutrition podcast for normal people who want to be more awesome. If you have trouble deciding between Just One More Kettlebell Swing and Just One More Cupcake, this is the podcast for you. I'm Joanna shaw I'm an actor, a comedian, and a normal person, and Daphne is not here this week because we have a special guest who I will introduce momentarily. Uh, before we begin, rem- remember to talk to your doctor or medical practitioner before starting any workout or nutrition plan. Also, are you subscribed to our podcast? You should be, because then the podcast will just arrive in your life, uh, which makes it much easier. We, none of us need another thing to do. Uh, so you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever. And if you need help, you can go to justonemorepodcast.com slash 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 subscribe slash uh, subscribe. Very professional. Uh, perfect intro <laughs> to our guest today. Uh, I would like to introduce our very special guest, Caitlin Keene. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, Joanna. Uh, Caitlin is here. Um, <laughs> in usually, I start with "Who are you and what do you do," uh, which I am going to ask you. But mostly, you are here because we have never talked to someone who has had a pregnancy about, like a full pregnancy about pregnancy. <laughs> oh, I'm so
1: excited to be! You're a full pregnant person. <laughs>
0: Um, so, uh,
1: who are you and what do you do? I am Caitlin Keen. I am an associate creative director. Uh, I work in advertising. I'll keep it vague. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and I'm a uh, mom to Rory who is just about a year. So I have successfully kept that full pregnant kiddo alive for 365 or almost awesome. 365. Yeah.
0: Uh, and you also have a podcast, which I know some of our listeners found us through your podcast. So oh, that's fun.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm so glad. Um, yep. Uh, I guess I'm technically a former podcast host because it was for the year. Um, but yes, my husband and I had a podcast called The Paper Year uh, in which we documented our first year of marriage. Uh, so that was in 2015 to 2016. Uh, and we interviewed a whole host of
0: amazing couples, including you and your wonderful husband. Uh, and it was funny. I got an email from a listener at one point um, who ended up becoming a guest, and uh, she was from, like, California, and I was like, how did you find us? She's like, well, I uh, my friend recommended this podcast, The Paper Year, to me when I got engaged, uh, and then I found your podcast through that. By the way, what happened to them? Oh, my uh, god! That's so <laughs> Because funny. you guys... Um, right around the time that your podcast would have naturally been coming to an end is when you got pregnant with your, with yes, your first and, baby, and, right? and
1: it's really funny. I actually was thinking about this uh, in, ahead of today's call. I uh, Evan and I recorded a final episode on our, I guess it was our two-year anniversary. Ah. Now I'm losing track of time, but in <laughs> it, we were like, and we're pregnant, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I don't think he ever released it. So <laughs> it's just like our, our, like this thing that we cultivated, our, the podcast, not the kid, but the, like, you know, every week, every month. And then all of a sudden it just like disappeared into ether. So Evan and I are, uh, very much still together <laughs> and, uh, just not podcasting, uh, just focusing on, uh, keep and row, keep and row on this earth. <laughs> Makes sense.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, um, we are also, I, I hope I'm not, like, doing any spoilers, we're also both pregnant right now. <laughs> is that a spoiler?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, it's absolutely true, and
0: I think we're due around the same time, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think are you, so. Uh, I'm 29 weeks, almost 30 weeks right now.
1: Okay, so you're, like, just about two weeks ahead of me.
0: Yeah. Well, let me tell you, those two weeks. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, it's funny because, as you mentioned before,
1: this is my second pregnancy, and so I feel like I'm already, like... 38 weeks pregnant because (laughs) you're like, I'm done. Yeah. This is the one where I'm like, I feel like I got hit by a truck. I mean, I know we'll get into it. Uh, I feel slow. Uh, I feel big. And I'm like, Oh man, I didn't feel like this until the very end last time. And it's just basically been since I peed on the stick, but.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's, um, let's go back. We're going to rewind to pregnancy number one. Um, so what, I'm always interested in what women's expectations of pregnancy were before their first pregnancy because I think um, depending on like what your family life was like and who you grew up around and sort of like where you are, even in like the birth order of your wider family, your expectations of pregnancy can vary wildly. Um, Huge.
1: And it's so funny that you use that word expectation because that's a word that definitely came back to haunt me in a different (laughs) sense, not in terms of pregnancy, but like, the newborn phase, but I think we'll get there. Um, but yeah, in terms of expectations, I'm the oldest of my family. I come from a comically large Irish Catholic family from Boston. Like we are literally the cartoon where it's like Jimmy, Johnny, Timmy, Tommy. Yeah, like that's my family. Um, so I was always around kids. I was always around babies growing up. I'm I was obsessed. I have always been obsessed with babies. I don't know why. They just make me feel. Very happy and serene when I see them. Um, so I always was like, "Oh, I want to have a big family of my own, three to four kids." Evan would always kind of laugh when I said that. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Um, but in terms of pregnancy, I had pretty low expectations. Um, I wasn't expecting to like set the world on fire or anything like that. But I knew that I, you know, I took decently good care of myself in terms of like diet and exercise. Um, so I was like, oh, I'll just keep doing that. Um, and I didn't have any intentions of like modifying my lifestyle at all. You know, like I cut out, I did say that like, I was going to follow every rule to the T for the first one. So it was like (laughs) no caffeine, like no soft cheese, whatever it was, like I wasn't doing that. Um, and I always said like for the first one, (laughs) (laughs) um, So that was hard. Giving up caffeine was much harder than giving up alcohol, uh, for me as a a crippling coffee addict. (laughs) Um, but yeah, my expectations for pregnancy were really low. And then I got hit with the old gestational diabetes diagnosis. Oh, did you? I did. And it stunk.
0: (laughs) I want to use a different word. When did, when did that, uh, when did you get the diagnosis and what changed for you?
1: Um, so at that point, I think it was around... So usually they're doing the test, I think, around like 26, 27 weeks. Um, so, so they had like
0: end-ish of your second trimester.
1: Exactly. You're getting through the second. So the whole thing with gestational diabetes, for anyone who hasn't experienced it, it's uh, diabetes that specifically comes on as a result of being pregnant. So you're having a little person inside of you um, starts to tax your pancreas. Basically, your, your uh, uterus starts releasing hormones and it kind of just sends your pancreas out of whack. So you have diabetes for the either the duration of your pregnancy but more likely towards the end because that's when hormones are surging and everything's a little bit more intense um, so that's why they typically test for like a first pregnancy around that time because uh, the baby's getting bigger and your system's kind of being overloaded again I'm no doctor I just this is my general understanding from dr. Right. Google and my doctor
0: did you have any symptoms my sense when I was googling before I took my test was that like there's Basically, no way to know until you take the yeah. test, and then yeah. you
1: have to do a bunch of stuff. I, it's funny. The only thing that I thought, looking back, was that I was excessively thirsty from the moment I suspected I was pregnant, mm. uh, which, like, that that honestly was one of my first um, weird kind of pregnancy symptoms. Mine, too! It's funny. Oh, my God. I've said that to people before, and they look at me like I'm crazy, but I, I never get thirsty. Like, it's just, like, not a thing that I experience, as we both super... <laughs>
0: I know this this pregnancy podcast with two pregnant ladies. We're just gonna be taking a lot of drinks and then taking a
1: break. Exactly, yeah. Um, but yeah, I felt I woke up one morning and I felt like I was in the Sahara and I needed water, and I was like, oh, that's weird. But so that stuck through the whole pregnancy. Um, so maybe, but overall, it's really random. Like, I have this girlfriend who is so fit. And, you know, she's she's very petite and, like, just, again, not what you think of or whatever. If, if you're thinking of something, there's no physicalness to it. There's no, like, oh, you didn't take good enough care of yourself. You didn't eat healthy enough, whatever it is. Um, it just is really how your body reacts to pregnancy. Um, so it's funny. So when I, I took the test around that time, and it was a very stressful time, um, which is interesting. Because I think pregnancy has given me a real appreciation for uh, We all intellectually understand that stress is terrible for our body, but you, I think you can really see it played out, uh, in a physical sense when you're pregnant in a lot of ways. And I think stress definitely contributed, um, I think to my test being super out of whack, we were going through this kind of like traumatic move and all these other kind of life changes. Um, so in the midst of that, I got the diagnosis, which was hard, um, because, Already with pregnancy, you feel like you're giving up so many things, and then you're put on this very restrictive diet. And everyone's like, Oh, you're pregnant, you can just eat whatever you want. It's la, 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 la. And I was like, First of all, I wasn't eating what I wanted anyway because I was trying to be healthy, and now I can't eat anything. Yeah, <laughs> so I was a big baby about
0: it. <laughs> I did what not kind take it stuff, well. what kinds of stuff couldn't you eat? Well, it's funny, it, it's um.
1: It's kind of different for everyone. I yeah. was borderline um, diabetic, um, so they actually were having me eat in a way that I just don't usually eat. Like they wanted me to eat more carbohydrates than I usually do, and it's it's more of a regimented lifestyle in that like you have to eat breakfast, right? right? Or excuse me, you have to prick your finger when you're you haven't eaten anything, test your blood sugar, then you have to eat breakfast, then you have to wait, and then you have to prick your finger again. you're pricking your finger four times a day at least. Um, And it's just you quickly figure out, like, oh, I'm not ordering Thai food for the rest of this pregnancy because Thai food made my numbers just super whack. Um, So just things like that. And, like, I remember, even though, again, intellectually I knew it wasn't my fault, there wasn't anything that I had done wrong, I think I'm just, like, a type A person. I really wanted to nail the pregnancy, you know? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Like that means. Uh, so I just, I, there was like a general sense of feeling like really let down and I was like, oh, I failed, um, that I had to get over. And also it was just like a big lifestyle change in that I had to prepare, you know, like I'm kind of an on the person. And so there was a lot of meal prep that my very sweet, wonderful husband helped. There was one night where, um, I mentioned that we were in the middle of this like terrible move and there was one night I came home from work and we were trying to get someone to fill our old apartment. That was like the thing that was hanging over our head. And I walk in the house and Evan is meal prepping and he's got like trays of food and he's got stuff on the stove. And he's on a call with someone trying to convince them to take our apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I love this man. <laughs> he's very sweet. Um, but also it really kicked up my exercise too. So I had been like exercising when I felt like it, um, which was probably like two to three days a week. And I found that Exercising really helped my numbers, so it hmm. became an everyday thing, and I just started walking all over Brooklyn because uh, that was what I could do. And so I was like the mad roaming woman twice a day. I was just like wandering the streets.
0: <laughs> my it's probably good for I- your stress levels
1: too. Oh my god, yeah. It w- It was ultimately looking back, like I gained, I think, less than twenty five pounds with my pregnancy. I left the hospital basically at the weight before I was. You know, not that weight is any indicator of health, but there was just like there were a lot of plus sides to it, um, mm-hmm. that looking back, I'm very grateful for cause it did. It, I think it helped with my labor. Um, because the big thing that they're worried about with gestational diabetes or one of the things is that, uh, large babies that you then can't vaginally uh, deliver. And so I was able to, you know, deliver a seven pounds, 10 ounce baby, you know, totally average normal size with, uh, it's like 45 minutes pushing. So all in all, I think, you know, it made me prioritize my health begrudgingly in a way yeah. that I, think I probably would have slowed down more in the third trimester, which I'm definitely slowing down now. <laughs> um, and yeah. And so, and I think like, again, I, I think I was power walking through, uh, labor contractions and I didn't realize I thought they were Braxton Hick, <laughs> <You know? laughs> things like that. So, Looking back, you know it's definitely it's a really tough diagnosis mm-hmm. uh, because there's just things that you don't realize. In addition to pricking yourself four times a day, like I had to go uh, to see a high risk doctor twice a week at wow. the end of the pregnancy. So that's just like for a working person, that's just a hard thing to schedule. Um, yeah. But yeah, in terms of stress, I think it really made me prioritize my health. And so for that, I was really grateful for a first pregnancy.
0: Do you know yet if you're in out of the woods for this time?
1: We just got good news in that I do not have it this time, which Woo!
0: is, believe me, there was wild celebrating in the street.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, I had taken, so what they do with the second pregnancy, since I had already had it once, they test you really early. So I think I was eight weeks pregnant or something and I passed and I was fine. But then the thing was, it was this like psychological thing that was looming in the background. So I was like, they're going to take my food away. They're going to take my food away. So yeah. I you just eat like I'm going to the chair for the next <laughs>
0: So, I felt that way before I took my test. Yeah, I, but I it was like that for like four months. <laughs> so it's
1: just, again, stupid human stuff. But uh, I then I took the one hour again a couple weeks ago. I think I was about 26 weeks, so like the normal time. Um, and I, they told me that I failed it. And so I was like, well, ah, here we go again. Oh, well, okay. I was expecting this. Uh, but then my doctor was out of town. So I ended up seeing a different doctor for my uh, three-hour test because for those who don't know you have to take this awful sugary solution i call it the devil's kool-aid uh <laughs> and then they test your blood to see how you react to it uh and so i met with this guy and he was like oh it's weird that you're here for the three hour of course i'm like why why and he was like, well, you didn't fail the one hour and i'm like meanwhile i just drank the sunny delight from Pearl. right so, so too I- late anyway Right. And I'm like, excuse me? And he's like, yeah, well, my cutoff is 135, and you were 133. And I was like, great. So he was like, I think, you know, you're going to pass this with fine colors. And then, good news, I did. So I'm in well, the clear great. now. I don't know what happens from here. I don't think I get tested again. I hope I don't get tested again. Um, but it's funny. I've been in this kind of weird place for the last couple of days where I'm like, oh, my God, the whole pregnancy, I was expecting it. And now it's not happening. And now I just have to be healthy for me and myself and my baby and not because it's Dr. Orton. <laughs> so yeah. It's
0: kind
1: of weird. Um, so it's like, it's really like, Oh, I have to stop being a sloth. I, you know, there, there's <laughs> sun outside. I got to start moving again. Um, That's true. Yeah, so it has been funny.
0: Awesome. Uh, well, going back to sort of talking about how you felt about it ahead of time. So it seems like you were always really clear on like, yes, babies for sure, into it, like definitely going to be a mom. How did you and your partner talk about pregnancy and kids ahead of time? And did you find that you were like basically on the same page or that you had a lot of coming together to do?
1: A lot of coming together to do. I think... Evan never th- saw himself, Evan is my husband, uh, who you obviously know, but the audience doesn't. Uh, but he, I don't think, ever saw himself getting married, let alone having kids. Um, and so then when he met old Katie Bugs, uh, he had to wrap his head around the fact that not only was he going to get married, he's probably going to have, like, a buttload of kids. Um, that's an official unit of children. And, <laughs> and uh, so it took a while, and I think for a long time. So he's a year younger than me. Um Which, you know, doesn't make that big of a difference, but, you know, guys have more time anyway. Yeah, and and they mature more slowly. Exactly, for sure. And I like to think Evan's pretty mature, but he needed some time. Um, Also,
0: we should say your husband's a comedian, and, like, comedians, I feel like it's, like, dog years, you, like, subtract some. (laughs) I really
1: like that, yeah. There's (laughs) definitely, like, the Peter Pan, Lost Boy kind of thing going on. Um, But it's yeah, you know, it's also different too because I think there's beyond Jim Gaffigan. Like, how many role models do guys in comedy have? the like guys successfully making this comedy thing work with like a bunch of kiddos at home. So I totally understood it. So there was a time where it was like we're married. It's been maybe like a year, and I was like, I'm ready. I've been ready, and he's <laughs> like, I am not. <laughs> so he negotiated for like an extra year, basically, and then came that year. I was like all right, honey, let's do it. And we, um, we I'm very lucky to say that we got pregnant right away. I think maybe Evan was like, oh, I thought there'd be more time, but this is really the time limit. Um, But yeah, so it did take some time and a lot of conversations. um, And I think it just was like, you know, what a lot of people go through, he just wasn't ready for his life to fundamentally change in that way. And LOL, I thought I was, and then I had a kid. And I was like, I wasn't
0: ready. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, what else surprised you about your first pregnancy, uh, as opposed to like your expectations? Did you have any other surprises? Um, I don't know if we want to
1: skip to the labor part because I had always, in terms of pregnancy, it wasn't too surprising. Gestational diabetes thing definitely caught me off guard because it just was not something that anyone in my family had experienced. And I'd actually never even heard about it until they started talking about the test. Oh, another thing, um, health wise, is oh gosh I should have looked this up more it's only my second pregnancy but um I had to get the rogam shot
0: um oh that's when like your baby has a different blood type uh yeah. like positive or negative than you exactly so I'm
1: the universal donor so I'm oh negative I think yeah. that makes sense that sounds, someone's gonna type in and be like no you idiot <laughs> but I get called by the the American Red Cross a lot for for blood donation so I do know that I'm the universal donor um and as a result there's a thing where um, if you and your partner are different blood types, then you have to get this shot because it's actually pretty wild. Um, if you're like in the, either like if there was some trauma that happened, like say there was a car thing, God forbid, or something happened during delivery where like the you, you the blood crosses with the baby, your body can actually reject the baby, which is kind of wild. And I guess it doesn't matter so much for your first pregnancy, but for subsequent pregnancies. So I did have to get that shot throughout. Um, so that was a thing that like, freaked me out and then everyone was like it's not a big deal
0: (laughs) it's just a shot like everything's fine um yeah it's kind of a crazy thing that actually has a really simple solution which I feel like in the world of pregnancy that's not usually the way it goes
1: absolutely and then I found out that my grandmother was the same way my mom's like oh I remember her talking about that so there's just it's funny the like the wisdom that kind of seeps out when you're going through
0: things um totally people just tell you stuff I don't know if you've had that experience too but one of the most amazing things to me about being pregnant is what women will, who I don't know at all, will yep. just, like, tell me oh, yeah. without me asking. I've, just, like, I've fully become that person. <laughs> yeah. But just being in the same room together and uh, being visibly pregnant, I, it's been wild, um, the kinds of stuff that, like, people will tell you.
1: Well, it's so funny. I was just, um, so I, I mentioned I work in advertising and I was just on uh, set for a shoot. And I had never been um, this visibly pregnant on a shoot before. I became like a mascot in a way that I was not prepared for, and it was so funny because like I would say a large portion of the uh, crew was were men. These guys came out of nowhere. And it's like I have three kids. <laughs> it's like funny little impulse for people. Um, but yeah, it, there is something really cool about like the the tribe of people who have experienced it that come out um and it's funny so my big thing was like I think we've all heard like horror stories you know either pregnancy horror stories or labor people love a good labor and delivery horror story and my mom had plenty all three of them were traumatic in their own right um so I think I was like emotionally preparing for that I was like labor is going to just be terrible. So like, no matter Uh what, it's just going to be terrible because that's just how it is and whatever, whatever. And my expectations are low and my birth plan, quote unquote, is like basically whatever I want in the moment and all that. And then it's so funny how, again, like your expectations are always subverted. My labor was fine. And it was actually the aftermath that was much more difficult. Um,
0: Well, let's talk about the like labor and then leading into the aftermath. So people always call this the birth story. And I was very curious how you feel, as someone who has a birth story, uh, how you feel about that cultural phenomenon. Um, Because I think for some people, it is obviously very important. It's like an important part of sort of the, like, narrative of their experience. Um, And it is currently hard for me to imagine feeling that way about it, but I haven't had the experience, so I was very curious.
1: So it's really funny, and uh, when I was thinking about this ahead of time, I laughed because, like, before Evan and I were even having conversations about having a kid, like, I mentioned before, like, I always wanted to have kids. But on top of that, I've always been enamored of pregnant women, like, to the, a creepy point. To, like, the <laughs> point where, like, I was staring at them at the train being like, you're a goddess. And they're like, nothing. you. Can I just have your seat? Um, <laughs> but I was, like, one of those people who was, like, recreationally really into birth and birthing stories and reading about it and watching documentaries on it and all of that. And so, like, birth stories, when a fashion blogger just, like, randomly throws up her birth story, I'm like, ooh, let's settle in. <laughs> our mom is happy. Because uh, I, I do. I just think it's something. It's funny. I think birth and death, obviously, two sides of the same coin. I, it's I, There are two things to me that I'm like, I can't believe we don't spend all like most of our day talking just about those two things because they're mm. wild. Um, so I was really excited to kind of have that front row seat of that whole thing. Um, because I had read so many at that point, um, and just done like so much research about pregnancy and labor and all of that. Um, so it was funny. Like I, 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 on the one hand, I thought I'm like, no matter what, it's going to be like awful and hard. And then on the other hand, I was like, it's going to blow my mind. (laughs) And like, it's going to be this surreal thing that I probably will never stop talking about, uh, which is definitely true. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I was actually very excited to have my own birth story, and I was really hoping that it wouldn't, I I just didn't want, I never wanted to be the person who, like, six months after Rory was born, like, was like, you know, saw my pregnant friend and was like, oh, just wait, honey, you know, like, no matter what my experience was, I wanted it to, I wanted to talk about it in a way that made me feel, like, proud about it, no matter what I went through, um, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense, so that was really important to me because I just think that there's such like a culture of fear around something that is literally the definition of natural, no matter how you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's so silly how terrified we make, we go out of our way to make women mm-hmm. about this thing that, um, our really, really, really rad bodies are pretty good at doing because <laughs> they've
0: been doing it for a long time. Uh, <laughs> So, well, yeah. well, tell us your prideful birth story. Yeah, honestly, God, I, well,
1: I'll get to it. But I, I said to Evan, like minutes after Rory was born, I was like, that is the most athletic thing I've ever done. <laughs> a very athletic, And I felt superhuman when I was done. Um, and yeah, it, it was, it was great. It was, it was actually very funny. I, um, Evan had a show that night. Of a course. Comedy show. Yep. And it was about, so with my mother's pregnancy, she always went late. So I just had it in my head that I was going to go late. And I think a lot of times that happens with the first baby. I think they'll, they tell women because they think they got their dates wrong or whatever, whatever. And so I was expecting he was due on the 26th. He was going to come after the 26th of April. Um, but so Evan had a comedy show the Saturday before. That was, I think, like a Thursday. So went to the show. You know, we had a really fun, like, last weekend. We went to brunch. We slept in. Joanna, I cannot say this enough. Sleep in. Sleep in <laughs> until, now, until June. You ever get out of bed before you have absolutely have to, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> but yeah, we slept in, and um, we went. so yeah, we had a big day, and then we went to a show. The show was out, so funny, plug for my husband, um, and so my very kind in-laws um, offered to drive us home back to Brooklyn because we were in the city. Um, so they dropped us off, and the, we had that kind of like, oh my God, next time we see you, it might be in the hospital moment, oh yeah, kind of thing. So we sent them on their way, and it was about... 1030 at night and I remember getting into my pajamas and getting ready for bed I was climbing into bed and literally I, I'm not joking when I say I was having the thought oh I'm so excited for one really good night's sleep <laughs>
0: <laughs> the thought I was having as my water broke so you had like the cinematic water breaking moment we did and it's so
1: funny because I think they tell a lot of they said I mean I took the birthing classes and stuff and they're like It's never like in the movies, like, you know, you you get mild contractions and then they progress and then maybe your water breaks, maybe it doesn't. It's not like, oh, your water breaks. Oh, that's exactly how my labor was. (laughs) Um, I had been having, and I, you know, I'm having them in this pregnancy too. a lot of very intense Braxton Hicks contractions. So I just assumed that that's what had been happening, but probably I had been in labor for like 12 hours. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, I got into bed. I felt and heard on some level a pop and I just remember thinking oh no the mattress <laughs> So I jumped out of bed and I looked down and it really was like in the movies it was like splash hit the floor and I called Evan in from the other room and I was like Evan and he was like what <laughs> because there had been a couple times where I'd called him and he come running in thinking it was the moment I was like no I just need help hanging this thing up so this of course was the moment and he, he thought I was a. Uh, just uh, crying wolf again. Um, but so long story short, we, I, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to labor at home for as long as possible. That's what they say. You know, you don't want to be in the hospital because as soon as you get into the hospital, the clock starts ticking. And that's when like, you only have 24 hours or you have to have a cesarean. All this was in my head. Sure. So it's about 11 o'clock at night at that point And I'm bouncing on my exercise ball and we're starting to time the contractions And I decided to call my mom, and as soon as I called my mom at 11 o'clock on a Saturday, she kind of had a good idea of what was going on. Right. Um, And she's so funny, because she didn't have anything like that. Like, she went late. Her water, for the most part, broke in the hospital when she'd already been having contractions. And so she kind of got flustered and was like, you need to go to the hospital. And I was like, no, Mom, my birth plan is that I'm laboring at home for a (laughs) while until the contractions are what is it? Like three minutes apart, lasting for one minute for an hour, the three one one thing. And she's like, That's it, your water hasn't broken. Your water's broken, so go to the hospital right now. And so I was like, No, Mom, no. But the whole while my labor was progressing pretty quickly and all of a sudden I was like, Huh, these are kinda intense and it only been like a half an hour. So I was like, Uh and so Evan's timing them. He's like, They are kind of three minutes apart and they are lasting a minute and it hasn't been an hour, but so in my head, I'm like, okay. So then, of course, my mom calls back. She's like, I talked to Susan, who's her sister, and <laughs> Susan said that when your water breaks, you have to go to the hospital. So go to the hospital right now. And I'm like, oh, I'm going anyway. So we packed up and we went to the hospital, and they um, they checked me, and I was only a centimeter dil- dilated. So that was kind of, I was like, well, I'm not progressing that quickly. Um, but because my water had broken, they they didn't release me because they, you know, they, that's when they become. Um, concerned about infection, your risk of infection increases when your water breaks. So I was in triage for a long time because two sets of twins were being delivered that night. Oh, yeah. So I was low man on the totem pole. <laughs> uh, so I spent most of my time in triage with, uh, with a not kind, but she was a very creepy night nurse. Um, <laughs> she just kind of would be like, hello, do we need anything? And I was like, drugs! I need drugs! And she'd be like, there's no one here to help you. Goodbye! <laughs> Um, but so yeah, it was interesting because my water had broken. Um, they weren't checking me very regularly, so I had no update as to how it was progressing. Um, and I think because again, it was a first time pregnancy, they, I don't know if the hospital wasn't taking me very seriously. You know, I think, you know, we hear those stories where women are like, "I must be like eight, nine centimeters. And they're like, you are one and a half. Uh, But I kept going to Evan. I'm like, this really hurts. (laughs) And it's getting much hurtier. (laughs) And I had decided at that point that I was like, because I had no idea where I was in the process. I was like, oh my God, if I'm only at two, three centimeters, like, and I'm already in this much pain, I need the drugs, you know, get me the drugs. So, i asked for an epidural quite a few times but again because there were two sets of twins being delivered it took a while it took like i think we got there at like eleven thirty at night and i got the epidural around 6 a.m
0: oh my gosh yeah uh, and i had
1: probably been asking for it about like <laughs> probably starting at like two i waited a long time um but so they gave me the epidural and I nearly proposed to the anesthesiologist because <laughs> as soon as they gave me that, I was like, oh man, this is great. <laughs> um, and I, cause I was going into it. I was like, I just want to see how everything feels. I, I want to see what it's like. Um, and I, at any point, if I feel scared of the pain, I was really into protecting my mindset. Um, mm-hmm. So then like enduring the pain, um, I just wanted to feel very strong and, I, because like I said before, I had no idea where I was in the process. I, I felt that fear creeping in and that's what made me get the epidural. Um, so at that point I could still feel things. Um, you know, I couldn't really move my legs, but I could feel pressure. I knew when I was having a contraction that I was just comfortable, you know, and I just was like, okay. Um, oh, another thing I should mention is my doctor had been on vacation. Perfect. I, or they always are. Um, but she was coming back, like, that night basically and so they kept being like doctor i'll call her dr b it's almost here and you know just hang whatever but again no one was checking me so they didn't know where i was um or how close i was so they gave me the epidural about 45 minutes goes by a very young looking doctor comes in and finally checks me and he gets this panic look on his face so of course i start to panic and i'm like what's the matter and he's like what number of pregnancy is this for you I'm like, that's a strange question. It's my first. Why? And he's like, because you're, you're fully dilated. You're ready to go. And I'm like, cool.
0: Great. <laughs> <laughs> I am also ready to go. daisies.
1: <laughs> um, but I think the whole thing was that, like, so they won't give you an epidural after a certain point. You know, uh-huh. like, I think if you're eight or nine. Maybe. I probably was there when they gave me one. Um, but again, no one had checked. Um, so it's funny to think about now and think about the second pregnancy is that I'm like, Oh, I made it really far. And again, like I say, there's no awards for doing it without meds. You know, there's no, mm-hmm. I, I have no shame in having had them. Again, I fell madly in love with my anesthesiologist <laughs> and proposed marriage, uh, in front of my husband. Um, but I was like, Oh, you know, maybe next time. I could have a baby, non medicated birth, you know, who knows? Um, so, yeah, at that point, it was go time, uh, and my doctor walked in. She had, like, wet hair. She had just walked out of the shower. Like, she clearly rolled right in, um, and it was great. It was her and Evan and a, a nurse whose name was also Caitlin, so that was oh, very perfect. easy. And she was very young and fresh. She had just started her shift, so she was ready to go. Uh, and, yeah, it was just great. It was just the four of us, and it felt very much like um, an athletic event. Like my doctor took the very much like the coaching route and Evan was right in there with the leg up and Caitlin's on the other side. And I just remember that she like, she was very great about talking about like how to push. Um, and that's something that I was like, there's no way to practice. You know what I mean? Like you can kind of imagine, but you can't until you're in the moment. Um, and so it took a couple practice pushes, but then I'm like, oh, okay, I'm getting a good rhythm. Um, and I just remember between, I was lucky because I'd have a contraction and then I would actually get some downtime in between. And I think that that's something that, like, not all women get, unfortunately. And it's, like, it's really important. It's, like, any athletic event, you need to catch your breath um, before you get back into the game. Um, and I remember when I wasn't having the contractions, I would look at Evan and I'd just tell him to tell a story. So I would, like, cue stories. And I'd be like, tell them about the time that we went to Paris and you got those. <laughs> and Evan would be like, so at this one point, And the doctor's like, another contraction. I was like, thank you. <laughs> I just was not into making small talk at that point. I was very focused, and I felt uh, very in the zone. Um, mm-hmm. And I could also feel um, progress, which was nice, because, again, with the epidural, I was wondering, like, how numb I would feel. Yeah. Um, and the doctor was really great. She's like, you're making progress every time you push, and that was very encouraging for me. I skipped the mirror. I did not want to see what was going on down there, but uh, I, I did like that she kept me updated. And then, yeah, 45 minutes later, uh, Rory came into the world. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And I had, um, I had first to second degree tearing, which isn't so bad. Um, and I couldn't feel anything in the moment. Um, and they sew you up right on the spot. I did feel that. Um, but yeah, overall my physical recovery was pretty textbook. Um, mm-hmm. I delivered the placenta right away. So there's no issue with that. Um, <laughs> Rory came into the world screaming and he screamed for 45 straight minutes when he was born. Perfect. Uh, so that's really interesting because <laughs> people, like, <laughs> my doctor would stick her head back in there and be like, oh, he's still screaming, huh? Okay. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> pop back out again. Um, but, yeah, overall, the the hormones are very real, um, and they do kind of, you do feel just like you're on a different planet when the kid comes into the world. And I'm not even talking about, like, the lot of hormones. I'm just talking about whatever your body does to kind of um, uh, numb that, the pain or whatever the recovery part of it is but yeah overall I felt like I felt am- I'm like this must be how people feel when they finish a marathon like mm-hmm. I felt enormously accomplished um and I just remember Evan looking at me like with a real sense of pride like I had just really you done nailed it damn thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh so that was a really really awesome feeling because again I'm not a very athletic person so I haven't experienced that uh a lot of times in life
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing um well not not to turn a sharp corner but I know you guys had some unexpected challenges like right out of the gate yeah. um, so uh, can you tell us some about that and sort of how you went about handling them because my my perspective during all this I should tell the listeners so yeah. Evan and I uh, are on an improv team together yeah so he he took some paternal leave from the world of improv but we I was in touch with him during this time and not Caitlin because she was busy you know being a new mom and um, and I would just get sort of, like, bits and pieces of, like, yeah, like, stuff's a little hard. <laughs> Quiet. Be like, okay, Disaster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so, so what
1: happened? Yeah, so like I said, um, I had all of these – I had focused all of my expectations on labor and delivery and how it was going to be terrible and, oh, who knows, maybe there's an emergency C-section in my future. Who knows? And I just, I don't know, I had not given any thought, which is insane, but I had I not given any thought to that, what they call the fourth trimester, which is those first three months that you bring home, you know, your new baby, your newborn phase. Um, and I think because of what we were saying before about like, I had such high expectations for being a mom um, that I was really set up for some comeuppance, you know, from the universe, um, because I really thought I was just going to be a natural. Like that's what everyone always said to me when they would see me. Even when I was, like, a teenager babysitting, they would say things like that to me. And I always felt so comfortable around kids and babies. I was like, I'm going to take to this like a duck to water. Oh, God, no, I did not. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so like you mentioned, right out of the gate, we had some challenges. Rory has some challenges. Uh, he had both a tongue and a lip tie, um, which made breastfeeding really, really hard. Um it really excruciatingly painful, and like uh, one lactation consultant explained to me, it's kind of like drinking from a pinch straw. So he was co- constant. When I say like every woman who's breastfeeding feels like their kid is nursing twenty four hours a day, because in the beginning it it is like that. You're establishing your supply, you're establishing your rhythm with them. Um, but Rory was genuinely attached to me twenty four hours a day because no matter how much he nursed, he he wasn't getting anything. He so couldn't he was get con- enough. No, and so he was constantly hungry. Um, and as a result, uh, you'll'll you'll find out soon enough that um, baby sleep I think is by and large dictated by how much they're eating like I firmly believe that. So Rory, they talk about the um, the newborn uh, honeymoon phase. A lot of times when you bring a baby home from the hospital, they don't even know they're not in the womb anymore like they're, they're still like this little potato and they're not ready for the universe and they just sleep all day um, and occasionally they'll pop their head up and you know feed and then they go back to sleep and we had a friend who had a baby a couple weeks before that's exactly how he was um we did not have that (laughs) (laughs) was awake 24 7 like he was never asleep um so that started to take its toll on mom's mental health um and so in addition to that he was having um very he, he had very severe reflux so, even when he would feed, we would do this like marathon feeding. He he would feed on one side for like forty-five minutes. Mm-hmm. Like that's that some babies can do that in, at that age, like twenty minutes or whatever. Um, he, and then he would spit everything up. So Ugh. I'd be like, oh, I just have these memories of four o'clock in the morning, being like, okay. And meanwhile, it feels like you know I had a bra full of glass because my poor nipples were like falling off, uh, and. I'd be like he fed and now we can go back to sleep and then he would just spit everything up and I'd be like I don't have anything left inside and so it was really really hard and my mom didn't breastfeed so that was really just just you know that's who you look to if you have a good relationship Mm -hmm. with your mom um so she didn't have any advice and so we met with some I was actually very lucky because um my pediatrician was the one who cut the tongue and the lip tie and that doesn't usually happen like right away she caught it when like the first time we went to see her she's like oh he's got a very severe one Um, so we had it corrected, which, uh, involves getting lasers shot into your baby's mouth. So Uh, fun. So fun. Uh, yeah, he was like six days old and got lasers shot into his mouth. They handled it like a champ. Uh, but that was like more, I think, traumatic for mom and dad than it was for baby. Um, but he was still really having trouble feeding and the reflux was still really bad. And so what we didn't know at the time, um, but he was later diagnosed with a very pretty severe, um, milk, soy, protein intolerance, MSPI is what's it's called, um, and that's what was causing him to fit up so much. So again, even after we got the tongue and the lip tie fixed, feeding was like a real issue. So those were Rory's little bank of troubles, and, so, and then there were my bank of troubles because mom and baby, everything, you know, symbiotic. Um, so my big thing was because Rory was having so much trouble feeding and therefore literally never sleeping, I was never sleeping. Um, and to the point where like, I've, I've dealt with bouts of insomnia in the past. I hadn't had one in a long time at that point, but, um, I, I, it's hard to say it's very chicken and egg, but I think the lack of sleep, the extreme lack of sleep, there was a point where my mom came down from Boston and it had been nine days and I hadn't slept. So at that point, like you're, you're legally insane. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like I was in court, that would hold up, um, And it was, so she, you know, I was very lucky, my mother and Evan stepped in, but I think the extreme lack of sleep contributed to quite a bit of postpartum anxiety, uh, which manifested itself in, uh, almost like compulsive Googling of things. I think I'm like, one of these mom forums will have the answer of how I get Rory to sleep and then Rory can sleep. I could sleep, but yeah, so it's not, not, I'm not making light of it. I can talk about it now. I have no issues talking about it, but yeah, uh, Thankfully, with my mother and Evan's help, I was able to get the help that I needed from a doctor, get medicated, um, and get sleeping, which was huge in my recovery. I think I read a statistic somewhere that they, they suspect that when it comes to postpartum depression and anxiety, so much of it can either not be fully cured, but, like, substantially help just by prioritizing sleep. Um, and my whole thing was the post—it was this awful— um, cycle where it was like, he wouldn't sleep. I would get anxious about it so that even when he would sleep for those 20 minutes, I couldn't sleep. And it was this, you know, awful feeding itself monster. Um, so that was my big thing. Um, so that took about, I would say six weeks to get me kind of course corrected. And I think, um, the hardest part to go back to the word of the day expectations was I, in addition to, you know, kind of being dealt a really rough hand, and so that, you know, understandably contributing to the postpartum. What also contributed was just me feeling like, oh, my God, I always thought I was going to be a natural, and we are drowning, and what have I done? And it's just hard. There's there's so many. It is just a perfect storm of things that can happen um, in those instances. I think something that I didn't realize until I was going through it was that when you go from being pregnant to having had a kid, your hormones fall off a cliff. Like you you are in one minute pregnant and you are one minute no longer pregnant. Um, And that can have an enormous impact on your mental health. And on top of that, sleep has such an enormous impact on your hormones and therefore your mental health. So there are all these things that I see so clearly now. But at the time, I just was like, no, like Rory's not feeding well because I'm not a good mom and I'm not good at this. And I ruined my family and I ruined Ev's life and look at, you know, all this stuff. And the thoughts were, horrible um but I was very lucky to have people in my life who was like really Caitlin this is not you um and you need to get help because and I think that that's so hard because it's like again I I made the joke before legally insane I wasn't in a position where I could evaluate myself properly that's one thing I was going to ask
0: is could you tell that you needed help um or or why you needed help I guess
1: on some very base level, yes. But I remember the first time that I met with my doctor, Evan was there and she's, she's talking to me about everything. She's asking me all the questions that they ask. And she's like, yeah, this is a very clear case of postpartum depression and, and anxiety. And, and I, she's like, I don't usually, or I t- she said, I don't recommend medication in every instance, but I'm recommending it in this instance. And I said to her, yeah, but I don't know. Do I really need it? Cause in my head, At this point, it was probably only, like, 10 to 14 days after Rory was born. And, like, this is the sickness speaking, which was, in my head, I was like, I haven't even earned postpartum depression and anxiety. Sure. I've only been on for two weeks. Again, this is, again, the sickness talking. I can recognize that now. But I said to her, I'm like, I don't know. I don't think I need, I don't know if I need medication. It's just hard. And, you know, motherhood is hard. and, And, you know, and I just can't hack it. She's like, okay, Caitlin, we're going to very quickly go through the postpartum depression and anxiety official checklist. You ready? (laughs) And it was like 10 questions. And she's like, you just say yes or no. And she took you through like, have you ever had to do with thoughts, whatever, whatever. And by the end, she's like, Caitlin, you scored a 10 out of 10. Are you ready to consider medication? And I was like, yep. Uh, (laughs) Touche. Um, But yeah, and it's just funny too, because I I actually got really excited Um, in the news recently. I saw that they're, uh, they just Um, approved, a drug that can help with postpartum depression. And and I think it's pretty quick acting um, because I was prescribed Zoloft. Oh, shout out to Zoloft. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But it takes a while, you know, It it took about six weeks until I was like, I would say back to myself and able to enjoy things. And it's just so funny looking at that time period now, it really was like six weeks of hell. And I think again, to go back to expectations, I think I expected it to be so hard that I just thought like, no, this is just the way it is. This isn't wrong. Mm -hmm. And now my biggest advice to women is anyone going through this, especially partners too, because I think partners need to help us evaluate ourselves when we're not able to properly. I think it's so, 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 so important to know that like, yes, having a newborn is very hard. It should never feel like drowning. It should never feel like you're in war. Like, there, there is a line that you, you will know when you cross it, or your partner will know when you cross it, and that's when you have to get help. You just absolutely have to. And it doesn't mean medication. If, you, if you're not into that, there are other ways to do it, but you need, it. whether it's just even changing things like, okay, so we stopped nursing because that was just not something that was working for us. I had enormous guilt about it. Like, oh, I had to mourn that. I really wanted to. But you know, happy baby, happy mom. I had to prioritize my mental health so that I could be the mom to this kid that he needed. So,
0: yeah. yeah. Are there are? How has this made you think about uh, your expectations for when new baby is born? Yeah. Because I so I've talked to a few of my friends. I'm now old enough where several of my friends are on their second kid, um, and one thing they have expressed to me is, like, it's just a whole different ballgame having a newborn when you also have oh, a yeah. pre-existing kid. I pre-existing uh, kid. That's so <laughs> funny. That is the way to say it. Um, it's funny. I think
1: because of everything that I went through, Evan and I have had to talk about, like, plan of attack even more so. Um, you know, like, I have my doctor on speed dial this time. We're probably... I'm not going to say we're going to supplement from day one because I'm going to try breastfeeding again. You know, this kid, it's a different kid. It'll be a different experience. Um, I want to give him a a chance. Mm -hmm. Um, but if I start to have those feelings again, we'll have to evaluate how we're doing that. Everything this time is just like the, 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 it's just expectations are so low and Evan and I keep talking about it in terms of, it's funny that we're both due, um, in the summer. Um, but we talk about it like snow day, uh, we're like the great thing with that when it's a snow day, you have no expectations for yourself, right? Like, the right. city's sh- city shut down. There's nothing that you can do. You can't go grocery shopping. You, all you have to do is just, like, you got to drink your cocoa. you got to wait it out. And I think that that's really how we're trying to approach this next one. Like, we're just going to make a nest. And we're just going to hole up in this nest. And we're just going to ride. Because we know. Like, now, the nice thing is, is that no matter how hard it is with two kids, and I'm sure it's going to be hard. Rory's only going to be 14 months. So, like. He's barely a human, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but I think it's just really important to just like get through those three months however you have to. Like if it means that you're ordering seamless more times than you're comfortable with, get over it. It's funny because so many people are like, oh, don't worry about the household chores. And I'm like, that never kept me up at night anyway. So (laughs) don't worry about that. But there were certain things that I was like, oh, like just whatever your expectations are, cut them in half and cut them in half again and just like I, I like to laugh like rory watched the entire series of vanderpump rules with me because <laughs> that's what it was the only thing i could mentally handle in the state that i was in i couldn't even watch friday night lights guys that's the kind of place i was in um but yeah so we're really trying to keep that like snow day vibe and just like hole up and just get through it like it's it is kind of a knuckle down time and get through it because the baby is not ready for the world and so you've mm-hmm. got to have to create that womb like feeling for them for like a couple more months um, while they get acclimated to things um, and you have to just give yourself grace because it. I mean one kid was a <laughs> show, so two kids oh I'm so, so sorry <laughs> that's
0: fine <laughs> I feel like that's fair
1: <laughs> So two kids I'm expecting just double that um, so I'm expecting half
0: half <laughs> like percent well, I, I will tell you one of my friends who has two kids, uh, when I asked her how it was going, said the main thing it's made them realize was how hard their first kid was. <laughs> <That's interesting. laughs> so, yeah. um, so you could, who knows what will happen, but it could be a breeze. <laughs> um, i
1: every kid is different. Um, it's really funny because when we finally got Rory's allergy diagnosed, we got him. So we, I, I spared you all the details on that, but like. <laughs> It was like dozens of formulas. I was basically feeding my kid poison for like three months, and then we finally <laughs> found something that worked. And we found a great doctor, which was awesome, because that's another thing. I think a lot of people, if you haven't grown up around babies, you don't know what quote-unquote normal is. Sure. Um, so it's so funny. I go back and forth with these expectations thing because Evan had no expectations for parenthood. He thought it was going to be a hot mess, so it lived up to his expectations. (laughs) But I think if Evan was in charge, Rory would probably still be um, throwing up 20 times a day and spitting up blood. Uh, which he was at certain points. He's like, babies uh, just do this, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Everybody's babies vomit blood, right? Um, but on the other hand, like, so at least I kind of knew what I, what was right, what was wrong, and I could get my kids some help. Um, but just, ne- like, so with him, once we got all that straightened out, I think that was probably around three or four months, like, things started clicking. Um, and he's, I mean, I, kids make you so superstitious. Like, I'm just like, knock wood, because he could just stop sleeping at any moment now. But who knows? So maybe this kid's first three months will be easy, and then we'll deal with stuff down there. Who, you just don't know. Um, it's really funny. And now when people meet Rory, because he's such a ball of sunshine, because he sleeps really well now, um, they're like, oh, your next one's going to be a nightmare. And I'm like, I already had a nightmare. <laughs> 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 I'm scared to um, you. you know? uh,
0: well, I think your advice about lowering expectations is really good. Do you have any other advice you would tell me and other about to be first time parent people?
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. I have so much advice. Um, the biggest one is just ignore idiots who give you advice because nobody knows <laughs> what they are doing. And also like there's just infinite things that could happen. Um, but I think like the biggest thing is tribe. Um, I, sorry, I didn't mean to exhale and sound all <laughs> eye when I said that, but it's, I realized how, how, how important it is to have people, like, you You understand, like, you need people who have been there, um, but I think there's something even more, uh, powerful about people who are going through it, because they don't have advice to give you, they just have, um, consolation, <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> or they just have, like, I have been there and I have thought worse, you know. Um, and there were two women, especially in my life who had just given birth right around the same time me. Like one of them, like I had known since college and we were friendly, but we were no means like confidants. And she became, she was in the foxhole with me. Um, and that was huge. Like, it was just huge to be able to be enormously honest with someone about like ugly thoughts and feelings that you don't want to admit to like your partner or your mom. Um, cause like, especially like moms, like they mean well. But they don't remember. Like my mother would just go, "I don't remember." <laughs> like kind of like horrified, but she just, they just don't. Um, so yeah, finding people who are going through. So I, I joined Park Slope Parents, which was an awesome. I know you're you're a member of it too. That was just really great meeting people who are like literally going through the exact same thing with you at the exact same time. Um, yeah, and that, my other advice is what I kind of what I said before is just like, it's going to be hard and it's going to test you. But it just should never feel like it's breaking you. Like there, is, there is a line, and like that either means that you need to get help for yourself, or you need to get help for your kid, or you need to get help for both of you. Whatever it is, and like help today, I think that sounds like I'm talking about going and seeing a doctor. I, I think it 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 just means like Joe. I you know I know you. I don't don't know you backwards and forwards, but I feel like I have a good understanding of who you are. Mm-hmm. I think we're a lot alike, and like we can handle it. Right, we can just do everything.
0: Right, You course. know, kind
1: of thing. We're very capable. That's the adjective I use to describe myself most often, is just capable. But, like, you can't do everything. You really, really, really can't. And whatever that means, you got to ask for it. It's so hard. Um, I think parenting, if it's anything, it's um, humbling. <laughs> <laughs> so just prefer to be humbled, but in a good way. Um, I, I think you're better for it. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I did it. I have no regrets, even after all that. I thought I was like, I don't like to scare people with my story. Here's my scary story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, but it has a happy ending, which is that, like, yeah. you got the help you needed. Your baby is doing well. You decided to do it again. You're still, you know, in good uh, good shape with your partner.
1: Like, so too. I, I really feel like with the postpartum anxiety and depression, like, I do feel a real obligation to just talk about it, probably to the point where it makes other people uncomfortable. And I have seen it make people uncomfortable. But like I've had coworkers who are like, hey, how was maternity leave? I'm like, oh I had really bad postpartum depression and anxiety, but I got through it and my kids great. And they'd be like, no, it <laughs> <a laughs> <bad> info. <laughs> but yeah, I just think that, you know, destigmatizing these things is super important. Um, because I was suffering from that stigma. I was suffering as a result of that stigma. So I just don't want other people to go through that. Um, out of your hands it's just like the gestational diabetes which is funny where it's like your hormones are out of whack well your hormones are out of whack and again your arm's broken no one's gonna fault you you're gonna get a cast just because you're a mom like right go get your cast so totally yeah. uh
0: well thank you for sharing all your stories about that stuff i think <laughs> it is really helpful uh, you know, it can be scary, but I think stories that are told not with the intention of scaring people, but with the intention of just being like, hey, this happened to me and I made it to the other side and this yeah. is how I did it. Uh, and you can have this experience. And even if you're in the middle of this experience, you can come out the other side and, you know, still be in a good place in not that long.
1: I remember um, my doctor, the first time I met with her, she told me that the thing that she loves the most about her job is that unlike other psychiatrists, she sees a 100% success rate. And I remember when she said that to me at the time, again, in like the throes of postpartum depression and anxiety, I remember thinking, well, that's just irresponsible to say because I'm going to be the person who proves you wrong, you know? (laughs) And I remember thinking that, but I'm like, yeah, what a great thing that if you you get the help you need, you will recover from this because it's a, it is a very temporary state. Um, and it is so correctable, um, with either help or medication or both, whatever it is. It's, it's very easy to not easy. wasn't easy, but it's overcomeable. I'll create an adjective. <laughs> I love
0: it. Uh, well, Caitlin Keene, thank you for talking about yeah. your first pregnancy and Checking in on your second. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be very anxious to hear how things go with you guys. uh, Well, you're going to hear
1: from me because we're going to be in the foxhole together, other That's
0: right. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Uh, Well, I will see you there. Okay, Um, cool. Do you have anywhere you want to send people if they want to, like, I don't know, find you on the internet or something? I mean, your podcast is a good thing to send people to, in general, the paper year.
1: Yes, with its... um... Dramatic ending of no ending. Um, the dramatic ending being that there are two kids now, and my husband and I are still together. Um, but You yeah, guys can just
0: run this episode as the last episode of your podcast I if you want.
1: I love that idea. Yeah, we don't need Evan to weigh in. He's, he's still here. <laughs> he's totally a person in his relationship. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on Instagram. You guys can check me out there. Uh, and I am, uh, yeah, on my podcast, I guess I'm not a big internet person. So that's,
0: that's fine. And I find yeah. that new parents often have less time for that sort of thing. For
1: sure. You can find me roaming the streets of Brooklyn again, hopefully with this pregnancy, uh, so that we have good vibes in the labor and delivery like last time.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Caitlin. Thanks for listening to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne. Our show is normally hosted by Daphne Yang and me, Joanna Schaufflam. We're produced and edited by me. Our theme music is by Hannah vs. The Many, who you can hear at hannahvsthemany.com. We'll be back next week. You can make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to Just One More on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. For show notes, help subscribing, and to join us on Patreon, you can go to our website, justonemorepodcast.com. Let us know what you think. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at just one more pod on Facebook at facebook.com slash just one more podcast, or you can email us at info at just one more podcast.com. Thanks again. And we'll see you next week.